You are listening to a weekend message from New Life Church in Fort Smith. We would love to connect with you, so find us on Instagram or Facebook at NLC Fort Smith. Enjoy the message. What is your biggest temptation? Like the biggest thing that when you see it, you're like, oh, I got to stay away from that because that's calling me. Every year in January, we start with prayer and fasting, and I'm always like, all right, God, this is the year. I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a beach body by the summer. It's coming. Uh, I saw a thing this week. I liked it. It said, the beach is going to take whatever body I give it. Amen. I can relate to that. But every year, I, I start out with these great intentions, right? And I, I have the salads and the soups and the smoothies, and I'm doing all the things. I'm feeling really good about everything. My water intake is really high. Everything's going well. And it always, always always, always happens. I go somewhere and there is a box of donuts. And I say to myself, Brandon, you don't like donuts. I lie to myself straight up. You're not a donut guy. You're a healthy guy, right? This is not, that's an old Brandon. That's a, that's a sinner, Brandon. You are a, a follower of Jesus. You don't need this. So I walk by the box. I say, I ain't going to eat these. I ain't even going to touch these donuts. And then I see somebody opens the top of the box, and it's not just regular donuts. Somebody has gotten that blueberry cake donut in that box. And I say, oh, okay. I'm backslidden. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I go over there. I say, I'm just going to have a little nibble. But y'all know there ain't no such thing as a nibble on no blueberry cake donut. You start with a nibble, but by the end, you've had three blueberry cake donuts, and you found the bag of donut holes that they throw at the end. You don't ate the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like, that's just me being honest with you. Temptation comes to me in the form of a blueberry donut. But the truth is, temptation comes to all of us. In fact, temptation came even to Jesus. And that's what we're going to see today. The Bible says that he has been tempted in every way, as we are tempted, but he did not sin. And as someone who has a history of giving into temptation, I would like to see how Jesus handled temptation when it faced him. So Matthew chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 1. Here we go. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you that they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. All right, so we have Jesus in the desert. And he is being tempted by Satan. But I do think we need to back up just a little bit because I don't think we can separate 
the uh, story that comes right before it. In Matthew chapter 3, Jesus has just been baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. And that's where we hear a voice from heaven say, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So he goes straight from this moment, this like beautiful moment in the river baptism, hearing the voice of God straight from there into chapter four, into the desert. I read this week, one person say that Jesus's hair was still wet from baptism when he made his way into the wilderness. And he's no longer around the big crowds. He's in solitude. He's no longer around the noise, but now he's in silence. He's left behind the cool waters of the Jordan River, and he's in the barren wilderness. And for him, in this moment, he's no longer hearing those words of affirmation from his father, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, instead He's hearing the whispers of Satan, the tempter. And so what I want to do is I want to walk through this passage slowly and look at the different temptations that Jesus faced uh, and how he responded to each one. The first temptation that the enemy came for is all to do with, if you're taking notes, write this down, my wants and my needs. The Cotton family grew by one this week, one puppy. We have a new dog in the house. Her name is Darcy Dew. She's cute, right? I like, let me tell you, I learned something about parenting. I'll give you some free parenting and marriage advice this week. If you are not ready to get in your car and drive down the street and pick up a dog, then don't even begin the conversation of what if we had a new dog? Because this is how it goes. What if we had a new dog. And I say, I don't know, what if? And then it's, I want a new dog. I say, all right, I need a new dog. I'm like, do we need a new dog? We have a new dog. <laughs> that is the progression of how this stuff goes in my house. Okay, it quickly goes from something not even on my radar to something that I want and I need. When the enemy is coming to tempt you, listen to me, he will never tempt you with something that you don't want or that you don't need, right? I have never been tempted to overeat on kale. I can promise you that. I have no desire to eat more kale than I need. Never, because I don't want it. It's not something that I will be tempted with. The very first thing that he tempted Jesus with is a want and a need. Let's walk through this passage. Verse, verse 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You underline that passage, to be tempted by the devil. The first thing that I want you to see here is that Jesus is led by the Spirit to where? The wilderness. He's led into the wilderness. Now, we follow Jesus, and I'll tell you the expectation. When I follow Jesus, he's going to lead me into these beautiful places, and I will have everything all the time, and it will be the land flowing with milk and honey bunches of oats. Like, he's going to take care of me everywhere I go, and everything's going to be beautiful, the promised land. Sometimes when you're following Jesus, listen, you're going to end up in a place that doesn't feel like the promised land. That's just the truth. You are going to be there. It's important for you to know 
that when you find yourself somewhere that you're like, this feels like the wilderness to me, keep trusting and keep following. The Bible says, if y'all remember in Psalm 23, this it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And everywhere that you're going to walk through when you follow Jesus, you need to know he is with you and he's walked there too. Just because you're going through a tough time doesn't mean you're not following faithfully. It means that in my tough times, Jesus is there. Verse 2, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written that man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is hungry, y'all. It's been 40 days since he's had something to eat. Some of y'all don't have breakfast this morning. You're already thinking about lunch. Like, I'm hungry right now. I'm thinking about what I'm about to go eat. Imagine 40 days. You didn't have anything to eat. That's where Jesus is. And Satan comes to you, and you haven't had anything 40 days, and he comes to why don't you turn these rocks into some Texas Roadhouse Rolls with some cinnamon butter? I would be all over that in a minute. I'll tell you right now, I would disqualify myself, right? But this is what he's saying. I want you to see that, that the, the enemy comes, and he's not stupid. He's sly. He's, he's tricky. Look, he says this. If you are the son of God, then do this. Feed yourself. And if you, you remember the baptism, just a few days before, what happened? He heard a voice from heaven, and God said what? This is my son. And now the enemy is here, and he said, if you are the son. He's up to his old tricks. It's the same thing that he did in the garden with Eve. Like Eve is staring at this fruit in the tree, and he said, did God really say that you couldn't eat this thing? And he comes to Jesus and he said, if you are the son, I mean, if you are, what's he doing? The enemy always comes to create doubt. He's always working for a way to put some doubt in between you and God. So he said, if you're the son, you should be able to do this. Now, let me ask you this. What is wrong with eating bread when you're hungry? There ain't nothing wrong with it. Jesus ain't on keto. He can eat bread if he wants. As long as it ain't Ezekiel bread, he'd be all right. You know, it's good stuff. And can Jesus turn stones into bread? Sure he can. In fact, just a few chapters later, you see Jesus making whole meals, feeding thousands of people from just a basket full of fish and loaves, right? Like he can do that. He can do it. So there ain't nothing wrong with eating food, and Jesus is able to do it. So what is it that Satan is doing here? Like, what is the temptation? I want you to see this, because this helped me this week in trying to understand what this is. He's saying, you're the son of God, right? If you're the son of God, then you shouldn't be out here starving. Like, God took care of people in the desert for a long time. Remember when he would send manna down from heaven, like, and they would go out and they collect, like they could eat as much as they wanted. Didn't God take care of these other people? And why, why isn't he taking care of you? Like you're his son, right? 
He said he was going to take care of it, but I don't see him doing it. Listen, this way he says, why don't you just take care of yourself? Why don't you take matters into your own hands? A few months ago, my boy was in my truck. We were driving around in the parking lot. If y'all ever see my truck in this parking lot at night, driving back and forth, don't pull into the parking lot. It ain't me. <laughs> it's my boy. He's trying to learn how to drive, right? And so he's in there, and he's doing pretty good for a while. We're driving around, and then he sees somebody he knows. And there's something I feel like that is hardwired into a 12-year-old's mind, that when they see someone they know and they're driving, they want to do something to make their presence known. And so what my boy decided to do is punch the gas and get as close to him as he could and then slam on the brake. And so he did. And I was, we get to, he slams on the brake. He rolls down the window. He's like, hey. And I was like, get out. <laughs> We're done. Put it in park. He's like, what? I said, like, get out. We're done. Why? Because I don't want to pay a deductible on my truck. Like, we ain't going to the shop. You are going to end this right now. I don't trust you anymore right now to drive this ride. I'm taking over, right? Every time you say, God, I'm going to. I'm just going to take this into my hands right now. What does it say? I don't, I don't trust you right now to do this as much as I trust me to take care of this. And the enemy comes to Jesus and he says, why don't you just take care of this right now? And what does Jesus do? He says this. He says, it is written that man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. What is he saying? I trust everything that God has said. I trust it completely. I love that Jesus, the son of God, when faced with temptation, he takes out scripture that he has hidden in his heart that he might not sin against God. And he uses this passage. He just quotes it from Deuteronomy. And that passage from Deuteronomy is when the children of Israel are in the wilderness, and it's a passage reminding them of God's faithfulness to them in their time of the wilderness. And he's using it to say, God is going to be faithful to me in my time in the wilderness, that I trust everything that he says. Satan, I don't trust you. I trust him. Number two, the second temptation he comes after is my ego. The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Listen, Jesus said, I trust every word that God says. I trust it. And the enemy comes and says, oh, yeah? Prove it. Show me. Because doesn't the word say that if the angels are going to take care of you, that you won't strike your foot against a stone? Do you really believe that? Prove it. What does the enemy do? A lot of times he will come with the word because he knows the word. But always when he brings the word, it's not 
accurately apply. It's like, I, I'm going to show you the word, and I'm going to show you what it says, but I'm not going to tell you what it really means. Like, I'm going to use it. And you can see this anytime you log on to Facebook, anytime you log on to social media. There are people that do not follow Christ at all that will take the Bible and will say, well, look what the Bible says about this. Look what the Bible says about that. And those words may be printed on the page, but you're missing the meaning completely. And people will use Scripture all the time to justify things that the Bible does not mean or it doesn't actually say. It may, those words may be printed in here, but when you read it in context, when you read it in the full understanding of this is what this whole chapter is about, this is what this whole book is about, it doesn't mean that at all. But if you don't know the Bible, how quickly would you go, oh, well, I get, let me look. It does say that. Oh, man. This is why it's so important for us to know what the word of God says so that we won't be easily deceived. When Satan brought it to Jesus, Jesus wasn't deceived because he knew what Satan was doing. He didn't do it at all. So he tells Jesus, listen, since you are the son, since you believe everything that he says, here's what you should do. I got you up on this really high place, jump off and watch the angels come and they'll rescue you and everyone will see you and it'll be like this big deal. And everybody will know that everything that you have been saying is absolutely true. Like, you're not just a carpenter. You're not a heretic. Everyone will know that you are the son of God. Just get up there and do it. Into my flesh, how great would it feel to be vindicated like that? Like knowing that people want to kill me. People are saying all kinds of terrible things about me. And I could get up and in a moment prove them all wrong and show them. Is there anything better in this world than when you're in a fight and you're in an argument that you get to pull out the old, I told you so. I told you so. It feels so good. I can't wait to do it. It's like playing an Uno card. You know, you, you slam that card down. It's like, I told you so. And you hear people say, well, I hate to tell it. I hate to say it, but I told you. You don't hate to say it. You like to say it because it's good. It feels good. Everybody wants to say I told you so because it's awesome. It means I was right and you were wrong. I'm smart. You're not. I'm the man. Listen to me. It makes me feel good. It makes my ego grow. Satan says, do this. Prove that you're the son of God. Prove that he cares about you. Show everybody. Show them what's up. But Jesus knew that that is not what God had intended. In fact, Jesus says, the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve. He said, he came to give his life as a ransom for many. That the way of Christ always was intended to be the cross. Always. He was rejected, not accepted. But no one wants to feel rejected. 
It doesn't feel good. Trust me, I know. I used to play dodgeball with kids in middle school. Like, I know how it feels on dodgeball day. I was rejected like every time, and I don't blame them. I was terrible at dodgeball, wasn't good at it. I was great on the tug of war day. Like, that was my jam, you know, but dodgeball was not. I would always be out. Nothing feels good about it. So the enemy will come to you time and time again in an attempt to deceive you so that you can feel good. That your ego can be unbruised. He'll say, do this. Say this. It'll make people like you. People will accept you if you just do this. It's a temptation. It's a deception. Jesus answered him. It is also written, and he uses the word of God properly. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. I'm not going to test my God by doing this. I don't need validation from you, Satan. I don't need validation from anyone. I have my validation from heaven. The third temptation comes after my worship. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Have you ever sat through one of those uh, timeshare presentations? Uh, um, Jesus, uh, <laughs> Jesus is right now. This is what's happening. The devil is the creator of the timeshare uh, hard sell, okay? And I don't know, if you, ever, if you haven't been through them, it's, they want to sell you something. And so they do a presentation and they say, if you sit through this, if you'll give us a couple of hours and listen to this presentation, at the end, we'll give you a blender. And you don't have to do anything. You'll be like, okay. The truth is, like, I'm real bad under those high-pressure sales things. Like, I will start agreeing with the salesman no matter what. Like, it doesn't matter what they pitch. Like, by the end of it, I'm like, yeah, that's good. Okay. I mean, it really doesn't matter. You need seven nights in Muskogee. And I'll be like, yeah, Jessica, that sounds all right, you know? <laughs> Listen, at the end of it, this is what you learn. There's always some fine print, right? There's always some stuff at the end. And it is never quite as good as it sounds. With Satan, Listen. There's always fine print. It's always going to cost you way more than it looks like. It's never going to be as good as he says it is. There's always a catch with the enemy. And when we get to this temptation, Satan gives up on trying to uh, have these veiled attempts at temptation. He gives up on the... Uh, I'm trying to make you think one thing and do another. He just comes out and gets to the heart of the matter. He wants what he's always wanted. Satan's games are always the same. He's always wanted to be worshipped. If you'll remember, he fell from heaven because in heaven he was the worship leader. And instead of wanting to direct worship to God, he himself said, you know what? I need this. I want this. I deserve this. And so the Bible says he fell like lightning from heaven, but he still wants the same thing. So he says, Jesus, listen, fine. I'll give you 
everything you want. I'll give it to you all right now. And all you have to do is worship me. That's it. What could Satan offer you today that would get your attention, that would cause you to lean in and listen? Money, fame, happiness, affluence, importance. Because he's willing to offer all of that to you. And all he wants is your worship. He told Jesus, you can set up your whole kingdom right here, right now. Just give me your heart. And if you think for a second, if Jesus had given in to this temptation, and he gave Jesus everything that he wanted, the keys to every kingdom on earth, I was reading this week about this, and one man said, if you think for a second that maybe Jesus could set up his kingdom on earth without the cross, and there would be no war, no famine, no pain, that he could give you a lifetime of paradise, but it would only last for a lifetime. And at the end of your life, without the cross, we're still separated from God for all of eternity. That the only way for us to be in relationship with our Father is for Jesus to go to the cross. And so he rejects this offer from the enemy. Of course, it's never as good as he makes it sound. And I love when Jesus comes back on this third time because I imagine he's had enough, he's fed up, and he says, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And Satan didn't even say anything about serving he didn't say, I want you to serve me. He just said, I want you to worship me. But Jesus knows whatever you worship, you'll end up serving. And so if Jesus had done that, he knew that he would serve the agenda of the enemy. So he rejects him completely. The Bible says at that point, the enemy flees and the angels come and they minister to Jesus there. So a couple of things from this passage to take away. One, we will face temptation, every single one of us. The enemy knows how to tempt you. He will never tempt you with something that you're not wanting or that you're not susceptible to. He will tempt you with things that look pleasing, appealing, appetizing. But every time he presents to you a temptation, there's always fine print. There's always a catch. There's a price tag that costs far more than you ever thought it would. And so when you're faced with temptation, we see Jesus uh, do a couple of different things to set him up for that. The first is every time he's tempted, what does Jesus respond with? The word of God. Be full of his word. Know it. Read it. 
love it. The Bible says to hide it in your heart so that you might not sin against him. That when you wake up in the morning, I get down, I pull out my Bible, I sit down, and I say, God, I'm going to hide some more in here today. I'm going to put some more in. You have to be ready knowing that the enemy seeks who he can devour, right? And the second thing is out of Luke's telling of this story. It's in Luke 4, verse 1. It says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. That Jesus didn't go into the wilderness empty. He went full. And every day when you get up, you need to go before God and say, Lord, I need to be full of your Holy Spirit today. Let me be led by the Spirit. I want to have ears to hear and eyes to see what you're doing every single day. You will be tempted. That is a given. That is a guarantee. But you need to start every day knowing that there will be a moment where the enemy comes to you and you're going to be ready. I'm going to be full of the Word. I'm going to be full of the Holy Spirit. And anytime I face temptation, I can ask Jesus for help. I can ask the Spirit to help me. Listen, in Hebrews 4, it says this. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. It's talking about Jesus, right? But one, in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. I love this in verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The difference between someone who faces temptation and resists the enemy and someone that when temptation comes, they just surrender to it is that the person that resists the enemy is ready to resist. And I want you to know this, you're not powerless to resist temptation. You are not powerless. The Spirit empowers us to do it. But we must get up every morning. This is what a real, like when you see people that are maturing and growing in the faith and you see people that are floundering and struggling in the faith, Almost always, I'll tell you the difference. The person that's growing and maturing in the faith, they get up, they read their Bible, they pray, they worship. And every morning they set their eyes on Jesus. And even if they fail and mess up during the day, the next morning they get up and they do it again. That's someone who is growing and maturing. If you're not doing that, then you're setting yourself up to fall into temptation. And I would ask you, please, Prepare your heart, draw near to the throne of grace, be filled with the word and the Holy Spirit.